Hey there, guys. This is Athena, and you are listening to Vanished in the Valley. So, we have been talking about sex trafficking a lot lately. And today, I kind of wanted to take it out of the United States and give you an idea of the global sex trafficking that goes on. And today, I'm going to focus a lot on the Eastern European countries, as well as Russia. And I just kind of want to start by telling you about a woman named Catherine Bolkovac. Now, in 1999, she was living in Lincoln, Nebraska. She had been a police officer there for 10 years. She was a divorced mother who had three kids. So, at this time, Bosnia had kind of been out of war for, at that point, for about five years. Because December 14th, 1995... The Dayton Peace Agreement was signed, and that ended the war in Bosnia, and the UN was going there to try to rebuild, put infrastructure in, and get these people back on their feet and rebuild a whole country. But it seems like Catherine noticed almost immediately, kind of like in the recruiting process, that the company she was getting hired with, DynCorp, that there was something off. Literally, in her first week of training, before she had even left the country, a man in her training class announced to everyone that once they got to Bosnia, he would be able to supply them with 12 to 15-year-olds for sex. And at the time, Catherine was able to kind of convince herself that maybe she had misheard, not 12 to 15-year-olds, because that's crazy and that's sick. So... She kind of buried it in the back of her mind, went on with the training, and went to Bosnia. Her main job there was to investigate domestic violence, investigate child sex trafficking, and make reports about it. But while she was there, she became aware that both the UN and DynCorp officials were actually involved in a massive child sex trafficking ring where victims were being forcefully prostituted, raped, and murdered. And she listed a whole bunch of things that she she not only witnessed, basically lived. She said there was sexual harassment of the female employees. The government contractors and the international aid workers were watching pornography facilitating strip clubs and participating in the prostitution. She says she has interviews with international police officers and aid workers and that they admittedly purchased women to keep at their homes as their quote-unquote girlfriends. She says there was rape tapes being distributed by Department of Defense contractors on military bases. She worked with Bosnian law enforcement that risked everything, their lives and their careers, so they could report military and UN officials participating in the transport of young girls across the international borders. She witnessed inaction and complete dismissive behavior of the UN officials on reports of rape and sexual violence and sexual misconduct of the UN peacekeepers. She witnessed and experienced retaliation from the UN officials and DynCorp anytime she was trying to report or investigate the sex trafficking. She heard the victims referred to as 
whores of war and just prostitutes. It just seemed like from the beginning, everything was stacked up against her. Women didn't matter. Nobody cared about a bunch of prostitutes. Nobody cared that 15-year-old girls were being kidnapped from their hometowns in other countries and being trafficked to be put up in these brothels that were set up around where the UN peacekeepers were always set up. So she kind of made it her mission to expose what was going on, the sex traffickers, the massive criminal rings that were popping up everywhere to supply these young children and kidnapped women from all over Eastern Europe and Russia, all four of these people that were supposedly there to help these populations recover and repair the damage done by five years of intense warfare. After the Dayton peace agreement was signed, an international police task force was created to monitor and train the local Bosnian law enforcement. One of the international police task force duties was to investigate human rights abuses by law enforcement. So, DynCorp got actually a $15 million contract to hire police for Bosnia. So they had, you know, they're not the only ones, but they had a huge chunk of people there from different countries. It wasn't just people from the United States. It was people from Ireland. It was people from the Netherlands. It was people from Italy. All over the world, DynCorp hired people to go to Bosnia and try to fix and help the situation there. But just for so you know, the Center for Strategic and International Studies estimates that 80% of the sex trade revenue in Bosnia was actually provided by the uniformed service members or civilian contractors. So it's like, sure, they were there to help, but then they also just created this black market of just this disgusting child sex trafficking, kidnapping of women and forcing them into prostitution. These women and children, they had no choice. They were forced to do this. They were beaten and raped into submission. A lot of times when these girls would first be kidnapped, thugs that would kidnap them, they would do what's called breaking them. And what that took was just repeatedly raping them and beating them until they no longer protested anything that these men wanted to do. They just lost all hope and were a shell of a human. And as we get into it, I'm going to tell you all about different areas in Europe where these women are trafficked to, where they're trafficked from, and just give you kind of an idea of how this whole criminal enterprise is run and how the UN covered the whole situation up. And didn't even want to deal with it. And they actually punished Catherine. So we will get into this whole fucking nightmare. You guys ready for this shit? It's all bad. Let's start in Ukraine. With a man named Alexander Mazur. And he was a Ukrainian police officer that was assigned to the United Nations International Police Force in Pristina. The capital of Kosovo. His job was to go to these brothels and try to rescue these trafficked women and rescue them, bring them home, try to do something, get them back home and get them out of this life. And he did that for about a year. 
and he estimates he rescued more than 100 women, and most of them were teenagers. He says he would like to clean up the mess for good, and he wished he never had this job because it kind of just ruined his dreams. It kind of just gave him a sour taste on humanity as a whole. He has a huge dossier on the traffickers and the operations. He knows how they think. He knows the names of the key players. And more important, he knows the locations of the secret training camps and training centers in Serbia where the thugs snap the spirit and the will of their terrified hostages. The sinners lie within the grasp of these police, but they are all powerless. His mandate is limited to Kosovo. The breaking grounds just a few kilometers across the border are in Serbia, and neither are in his jurisdiction. What he says is he, this is a quote too, I would love to have the power, the authority to go into Serbia and to catch the criminals and shut them down for good. Here, it's like getting street-level drug dealers. It's frustrating, especially when you know you can get the main traffickers, but you're not allowed to cross the border. I've got information, so much information. It is not such a big deal to catch them. You just go there and break down the gate. Belgrade is the main center in Serbia. There are apartments in Nice and Cravelo. There are places that are like prisons where hundreds of young women are held until they are sold. It is there the girls are broken. It is where they are trained. These places are hell. And can you imagine your daughter being kidnapped and taken to a house and trained to be a sex slave and be sold off to be sold to Germany or some other country like Poland so they can walk up and down this infamous Highway 55 where women sell their bodies and if they don't, they're beaten by the thugs that watch over them. I just, I don't, I don't know how they do it. There's a woman named Anna Eva Radici, and she has heard about these Serbian breaking grounds with the interviews that she's done with all these rescued women. She's the manager of the Counter-Trafficking Return and Reintegration Project of the International Organization for Migration in Kosovo. She has so much information on the whole process of where the women are taken from, what happens when they're trafficked and what, you know, taken across the border. She knows the big apartments where these women are kept. She knows these places are filthy and she knows that sometimes there's up to 50 girls in one place. She also says these women are test driven and by that she means they are sex tested by each buyer. They want to see for themselves what these girls can do in terms of sexual performance. It's fucking disgusting, guys. She says they have to stand naked for hours a day while men come in and look over them like they're just cattle. They look at their breasts. They look at their teeth. They look at their hair. They want to see if they have rashes or pimples. And they make these girls specifically dress up like sex workers. They put on heavy makeup, and anyone who resists is isolated, beaten, and terrorized. And say a girl's considered ugly, they're even more humiliated than the other girls. They're treated worse than animals with what they are forced to do. You literally have a full range of traffickers, from cruel to vicious. There's different ways the women get trafficked. Sometimes they're tricked. 
Sometimes they're abducted. Sometimes they're willing. And sometimes it's a criminal enterprise. But they are forced into situations of complete terror. And a lot of these organizations, they literally compare the mindset to being held hostage and having PTSD. They are locked in rooms and basically watched 24 hours a day. Any of the money that they earn is not their money. That goes to their kidnappers or the people that have bought them. And they're threatened constantly. They're like told, if you do not obey us, your family will be murdered. And a lot of times the girls are either videotaped or photographed in compromising sexual situations. And they warn the girls, if you don't obey us, we're going to release this image or this video in your hometown. So there's one girl. I'm going to tell you her story of an abduction that happened to her. She says that she was walking home one night on a rural road and she was only a couple miles from home. She says she could hear the car approaching and she froze. She just couldn't move and she was 18 years old at this time. She is a Romanian girl and so she's kind of like out in the backwoods in Romania walking trying to get home and she says two men with knives forced her into the car. She thought they would rape and kill her right away, and she basically prayed that her life would be spared. Instead, she was driven to a river crossing where they sold her to a Serbian man. He took her across the Danube River in a small boat and then to an apartment in a town in the mountains. So once she realized where she was, she's in Serbia, and in the room she was taken to, there were many young girls. They were from Moldova, Romania, Ukraine, and Bulgaria. Some were crying. Some were terrified. But no one was speaking. They were told not to speak to each other. Not to tell each other their names or where they were from. No personal information. All the time, disgusting, mean, thuggish women came in and would drag the girls into different rooms. Sometimes they would rape a girl in front of them. Sometimes they would yell at them. Sometimes they would order them to move in certain ways and to basically pretend like they were enjoying this rape. It was disgusting. And these poor girls were probably so traumatized that it's going to scar them for the rest of their life. Sophia says that anyone who resisted, they were beaten. If they did not cooperate, they were locked in dark cellars with rats with no food or water for three days. One girl refused to submit to anal sex, and that night the owner brought five men in. And I'm sure you can imagine what they did. They held her down on the floor, and every single one of them raped her. They raped her in front of all of them. She screamed, she screamed, and everybody cried. The next day, that girl hung herself. Sophia says a lot of the girls try to commit suicide. They just cannot adjust to this life of torture. So a lot of the suicide attempts are successful and their bodies are buried in the woods behind these houses where these girls are taken. Sophia's biggest fear was when she herself would be taken to be broken in. She says she dreaded that moment. The first day she thought to herself, maybe I should fight back. Maybe I, you know, maybe I can escape and get away from these guys. But then she saw what happened to one girl who refused, one girl who actually fought bad. This girl was gorgeous, beautiful, and very strong-willed. She was from Ukraine. Two of the owners tried to force her to do things, and she actually refused. They beat her, 
burned her with cigarettes all over her arms. And still, this girl said no. The owners kept forcing themselves on her and she kept fighting back. They beat her so much, so hard, they kicked her over and over and finally she went unconscious. She lay there and they raped her. They raped her every way you can imagine. When they finished, she still wasn't moving. They killed her and committed necrophilia. There was no worry on the face of the owners. They just didn't even care. They took this girl's body and buried it in one of the many graves in the forest behind the house where these girls were kept. On the third day of Sophia's capture, she was trained. She decided to submit without resistance. She moved exactly as she was told and acted like this person was great and that she enjoyed every moment of the rape. She says she didn't have the strength to endure what they would surely follow if she resisted. The night after she was broken, she said she just wanted to die. It was so humiliating to see these men just to think I was a piece of meat that I meant nothing. From that moment on, she felt like filth. She just couldn't wash away the feeling from her body or her mind ever again. And you guys, this is just one girl. This happened tens of thousands of times and it's still happening now. These girls are taken from all of these ex-Eastern Bloc countries and smuggled into Western Europe. They go into Poland. They go into Germany. They're just smuggled west. And they've even reached the United States. You know, you go and see a lot of these uh, Russian dance clubs or, you know, I guess exotic dance bars. Well, not all of those women are there by choice. As a matter of fact, a lot of them were tricked into being there. They're told that they can come to the United States and make a lot of money as a waitress or as a babysitter or even, you know, go work in a hotel and clean rooms. And to a lot of girls that, you know, are from the countryside and don't have a lot of prospects in their home country, this seems like an amazing opportunity until they get to the United States and their passports are taken and they're forced to either dance naked on a stage for their money or forced into prostitution and a lot of times, their kidnappers say, you look, if you pay us back $60,000, what it costs to get you here, we'll free you. But this is a false hope. They never get released. The women that are trafficked, that are kidnapped from these Eastern Bloc countries, they're basically brought anywhere that these criminals think they can make money. And they know where there's, you know, a lot of UN peacekeepers, there's going to be a lot of men. And a lot of men with money who are far away from home and just kind of think the rules no longer apply to them. And that was what Catherine found. And she documented so many cases of her co-workers participating in the brothels and the sex trafficking. And as I was saying earlier, she brought this evidence to her bosses and they straight up told her, stop investigating it. This is dangerous for you. You're in a third world country here and a lot of things could happen to you. But Catherine refused to back down and she kept meticulous notes. But doing the right thing sometimes gets you in trouble. She was fired. And DynCorp, they just like went dirty at her. They cost her her police certification by saying she lied on timesheet records and just got rid of her. She worked for them for two years before they fired her. 
But check this out, guys. She was able to sue them, and she won a unanimous decision in court, and that was in England because that's where her contract was drawn up. But they had to pay her over a hundred thousand pounds, which is a lot more in dollars. The judges believed her. They knew that DynCorp had covered it up. They knew that she never falsified documents. And they understood that she was onto something that DynCorp wanted covered up, as well as the UN. If you want to see more details about what Catherine went through and what she was able to accomplish, there was a movie made about it. And I think it came out in like 2012, and it's called The Whistleblower. There's not a lot documentary-wise about what Catherine went through, so if you don't want to read a big-ass book, which she does have out, I think it's actually called Whistleblower. If you want to buy that, you can get that on Amazon. But if you want to actually see the movie, go ahead and check it out. Um, It's pretty accurate to what went down there. It's not sensationalized at all. If anything, they kind of held back on the details because... Who can watch two hours of women being raped and sex trafficking and just fucking terrible things? So check that out. Another book that I was reading that I got a lot of the information from is called The Natasha's. The horrific inside story of slavery, rape, and murder in the global sex trade. And it was written by Victor Malaric. It's so difficult to read because he did such an excellent job capturing from the moment these girls are taken from wherever they're from and their end point. He interviewed countless women that had been through this. He interviewed even the bad guys. He really did a great job and definitely check it out if you have the stomach for it and if you really want to understand what this global sex trade is about. But don't for a minute think these girls in massage parlors or walking the streets or have these ads up on the internet. I don't think most of them want to be there. I think most of them are forced to be there and there's just not a lot of avenues for escape for these women. If law enforcement get involved, back in the day they were just considered prostitutes and arrested and not, you know, given any help at all. It's a little bit better nowadays now that sex trafficking is a word that a lot of people understand and there's more programs to educate people. But it's still an uproad battle for these women. Say they get out of the sex trafficking. They still have to worry about their families being harmed back home. They have the mental scars. They have to come over. And some of these women have been beaten and raped so severely and infected with different diseases that it takes months of being hospitalized before they're physically healthy enough to even try to start their mental rehabilitation. It, it didn't end in Bosnia with the UN. If you look at the Central African Republic and where the UN peacekeepers were there not too long ago, I think it was like 2017, 2018, there were many accusations of the peacekeepers there raping children. And it's just going to keep going on because it's not being addressed properly. The people that are actually committing these crimes, the UN people, most of the time they're not prosecuted because they have diplomatic immunity. At the most, they're sent home, but usually they're just transferred out of their unit and to a different part of the world. Probably just to, you know, reoffend there because they don't see anything wrong with it. So it's like until women and children are valued in the world and I guess taken more seriously and not just considered whores of war and just prostitutes, when people start to realize that these women were trafficked by 
kidnapping, coercion, trickery, maybe, maybe then we can start to address this problem and get these thugs off the street that are committing the crimes. It's a literal organized crime situation with the sex trafficking. It's not just like some, you know, dumbass off the street grabbing a woman. It's a whole process. And a lot of times the police are well aware of who the in, the players are that are involved. There's just not a lot they can do to stop it. You know, they get arrested, but then they're out of jail in a couple of days. And the women are so terrified of these men that a lot of times they don't want to go to court and testify against them. They're afraid for themselves. They're afraid for their families. And I fucking don't blame them. Do you know how many of these women were murdered? Tens of thousands are murdered from the sex trafficking. So, and like I said, this is just in, you know, Eastern Europe and Western Europe. I've barely even touched on how they get brought to America and stuck in the strip clubs here. So next time you're at a strip club and you're enjoying that hot Eastern European or Russian girl who's got a great big smile on her face, just know that smile is most likely fake. She doesn't want to be there. She doesn't think you're a God's fucking gift to women. She's being forced to be there. So, I don't know, guys. Suck on that. (laughs) But... There is hope. I mean, like I was saying a little bit earlier, now that people are more aware that sex workers aren't always there by choice, that they're being forced, maybe that'll make some of the Johns stop and think like, dude, is this really worth it? This girl may not even be here of her own free will. I don't know. And I'm really hoping now that law enforcement is supposedly more educated on it, that they're not just going to like throw these women in jail as criminals that they're going to try to find out some background and question them and see what they can do to help these women get out of that life. Because it's a fucked up life. Who wants to be like stuck with a bunch of disgusting, sweaty, fat dudes all day, multiple times a day? I can fucking promise you, not many women want that as a life. And I think if we just keep talking about it, like I keep saying, spreading the information around and not letting people claim ignorance to the sex trafficking child trafficking, all the horrible shit that's going on in the world, if we just keep forcing people to understand the problem, hopefully we can snuff it out because the shit's got to end. We cannot keep allowing this to go on. So all I can say at this point is be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Cha-cha. Are you lost? Yes.